I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. Hello, my wonderful, beautiful friends. Guys, welcome back to r slash pro revenge, where people get their revenge on those who've wronged them. And in this episode, oh boy, oh boy, corrupt bosses are getting put in their places, lives are getting destroyed, and one dad goes full Papa Bear mode to protect his son from a freaking monster. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. Hit subscribe if you haven't. And as always, you can send or link your stories to this email right here. Let's dive in. So several years ago, my friend Boris and I would always help each other do spring cleanup for our properties. This included taking out damaged trees, preparing garden plots, and taking care of our weed-infested yards. I was going to be the first on the cleanup detail, so I prepared tools and implements the Friday before the big cleanup was to happen. Sharpening tools and chainsaw chains, lawnmower blades, and just getting everything in order. Among those tasks was mixing gas with two-cycle oil. I finished up kind of late and generally just put things away for the next day. The next morning, Boris shows up with coffee and biscuits at around 8am. As we were sitting on his tailgate enjoying breakfast, My neighbors ride by in their beat-to-hell Chevy Cavalier, smoking like a freight train. We'll call them Rocky and Bullwinkle. Boris and I made the usual jokes about the amount of smoke pouring from the exhaust. Boris said to me, Damn, I bet they go to the gas station and fill up with oil and check the gas. We soon finished breakfast and thought no more of it. As we began to get the tools laid out and our plan of attack, I could not find my gas cans. No mixed gas, no regular gas, or gas can in general. That's when it dawned on us why the car that Rocky and Bullwinkle were driving was smoking so bad, and I'm pissed to say the least. Well, all Boris and I could do was go shopping for gas cans, gas, and more two-cycle oil. After we returned, we saw Rocky and Bullwinkle pass by several times, but all in all, we got a lot done. The next weekend, we dedicated to clean up at Boris's. A weekend or two go by, and we have a family dinner at my wife's, Rocky and Bullwinkle's grandparents'. Towards the latter part of the evening, we're having a few drinks. Most people had left, and myself and my wife's grandfather were shooting the breeze when I had to take a leak. As I was doing so, I saw a gas can with a very distinct paint on it. I inquired from the old man about how it came into his possession, and he stated that Rocky and Bullwinkle left it there. I simply explained that it was mine as another and loaded them in my truck. It ate at me every time that piece of crap car with my neighbors went by. So I hatched a plan from a rotten egg. I went out, bought a few gallons of gas, bought a few gallons of diesel fuel, and some other various oils. I made a concoction of these different chemicals, and filled my new 6-gallon gas can that I had to purchase. And with some clean gas, I filled the lawnmower and cut some grass that evening to make sure that Rocky and Bullwinkle saw me. I then put everything away, but forgot and left that rotten egg gas can out. I got up and went to work the next morning, and didn't even think to check on the can. But when I got home, I checked and it was gone. My wife informed me that my plan must have worked. As she watched Rocky and Bullwinkle go in and out of their car, not only smoking, but it was spitting and sputtering as well. The last time they rode out, they didn't ride back in. 
So they gave me about an hour of peace before they came over and wanted to know if I could look at the car and see what was wrong with it. And if it couldn't be fixed on the side of the road, maybe tow it home. And my response was that I've had a long day and I have a migraine, maybe tomorrow. And that's when I saw the panic set in when I told them that. That's when they told me that they had no insurance and it was on the main road. And I'm thinking, tough luck. Later that night, the highway patrol ran across it and had it towed. It was going to cost them around $500 to get it out of the impound. Plus, they had to have current registration and insurance, and the car wasn't worth it. Well, they're those type of people that good luck just falls on them. And the pastor for a local church gave them an old Ford Taurus. It took me a few cans of rotten egg gas, but I got that motor from that car to lock up after about a month. This time, it quit in their grandparents' yard. So they scrapped it. And as luck would have it, they got their income tax return, and they used it to buy a nice-looking Ford F-150. But it began having problems too. It started smoking really bad. They then took it to a mechanic and eventually found the problem. He got the truck running right again for about $1,500, and I've never had any more gas come up missing. Thanks for reading. Yeah guys, it sounds to me like those two guys just don't learn. Like, I can't believe it took two engines getting destroyed and almost ruining a Ford F-150 to learn. I'd say they aren't the brightest in town. And I know I say this a lot, but I wish I could be a fly on the wall when the mechanic told them that the reason their vehicles were running like garbage was because of the gas they were putting in their cars. So, a while back, I had a job working warehouse and delivery for a store. The entire corporate structure was built on treating the people below you like dirt, and that was passed down through every level. Managers would just bark orders and bitch you out for any reason they could think of. They paid about 25 cents over minimum wage, and the bosses all drove BMWs and Mercedes. The big boss lived in an $8 million house. Now, our store was the freight hub for four others in the little chain, so we got to know the drivers from the other stores well, as they were always coming in to load freight or drop stuff off. One day, we're sitting with two drivers from another store, and Buddy remarks that he and his partner are working over 60 hours a week. I say he must be doing okay with all that overtime pay. And he says, they're not getting overtime pay, just paid straight time rate. I then asked if he signed an averaging agreement, and he says no. He then shows me his pay stub, and there it is. His partner comes back and confirms all this, and they've been doing it for months. He said he asked his manager about overtime, and he'd been told that straight pay was just the way it worked. I tell them that's illegal, and urge them to take it to labor relations. Hearing me say that, they're reluctant to rock the boat, figuring that they'll be fired. So I drop it. A couple months later, they're in again, and Buddy's partner tells us that he and his girlfriend are moving back east, and he's giving his notice. I tell him again to file a complaint. There's nothing for him to lose now, so he does. A few weeks go by, and when I come in one day, there's excessive boss cars parked all along the loading dock. My workmate says something big is going down because all the managers have been summoned, and they're all inside with a bunch of people in suits. So we wander upstairs to see what's going on. The company bookkeeper had an office in our store and handled all the payroll. The guy was a Chinese immigrant. He was a nice guy. The bosses were trying to pin this on him, saying that he didn't speak English very well, and he had obviously screwed everything up. It turns out that he was a pretty cagey guy, though. He knew what they told him to do was illegal, and he was able to produce all the records of him telling them that, and of them telling him to basically just shut up and to do it. He hands it all over and he quits. I then see Buddy with a new partner a few weeks later. He's got a pay stub for about 15 paychecks worth of earnings. The company got caught for all the overtime pay and a pretty substantial fine on top of that. 
The added bonus is the second-in-command had driven over a nail when he parked his silver BMW on the loading dock, and he had a flat tire when he came out of the store. He then opens his trunk and called me over and said, Hey, change that for me. I told him, I'm sorry, that's not my job, and if I hurt myself, my compensation claim would be denied. As he went in to call a tow truck, I stood on the loading dock and gazed upon all the havoc I had wrought, and my heart was glad. My goodness, guys. I'm just picturing Opie standing there like a superhero with the wind blowing his invisible cape. Like, it's funny because if you or I worked for a company and we stole 15 paychecks, we'd probably get in some serious trouble. But to them, it's a fine. Hopefully a really substantial fine. And then they just move on with business as usual. So this happened back in 2010 when I lived in Florida with my husband and his dying uncle. A little background is my husband and I moved in with a sick uncle after losing so much during the 2008 market crash in the US. We also moved in with his uncle into a condo because his uncle had stage 4 cirrhosis of the liver, and his self-entitled sister and her family refused to help take care of him. My husband, a retired county sheriff's officer, and I got ourselves set in the condo's two bedrooms as his uncle had himself set up in the living room, including his bed. On the first day there, we found dangerous black mold caused by a leaky dishwasher. On the second day, we found the master shower had loose tiles and a leaky shower head. On the third day, we found a nest of brown recluse spiders in the living room. We talked with his uncle about these problems, and found out that the slumlord, who's friends with his self-entitled sister and aunt and her family, was refusing to take care of the issues as required by law. We wanted to start legal actions then, but my husband's uncle talked us out of it several times. The slumlord was nice to us, so long as my husband's sick uncle was alive. The very next day after my husband's uncle died was a completely different story. The slumlord had turned nasty, aggressive, and began to try to strong-arm evict us like we were nothing more than drug addict squatters. The slumlord even bowed up and aggressively tried to fight my husband when we dropped off our next rent check. He kept telling us that we had to move or else, but yet refused to allow actual laws to evict us. The slumlord and his corrupt code enforcement officer wife even recruited my husband's self-entitled aunt and uncle to start harassing us, telling us just move, even if we had to live in a tent. Self-entitled aunt would come around saying, why don't you and my nephew just move so they can rent the condo to another senior? My husband would tell her, we don't have anywhere else to go yet, and he must go through eviction laws or get into very serious trouble. She would then say to us that you're nothing but trouble. You've been problems since the day you were born. Get out of their condo and stop being a problem for everyone. Who cares if you have to live in a tent? Now all of this made my retired officer husband, who specialized in uncovering corrupt law enforcement, very suspicious. So we talked, and we began investigating Slumlord and the corrupt code enforcement wife. My first order was to place all the rent into escrow, with the evidence of repairs that have been neglected. Second, I sent a notification of cease and desist of harassment to the Slumlord and the aunt. Next, I researched public property tax records, and I hit pay dirt there. Slumlord's condo wasn't registered as a rental property with the state of Florida, and was paying far less in property taxes than the slumlord should have been paying. The records also showed that the slumlord did not own the condo. It was still deeded to his mother, which I found out had been living in a retirement home for five years before my husband's uncle moved in. 
my husband found out that the corrupt code enforcement wife had also been inspecting and signing off on hers and Slumlord's properties, including the condo, which is against Florida code enforcement conduct laws. I found out from the neighbors in the condo that Slumlord had only been renting to seniors with severe health issues. My best discovery though next to tax evasion was finding out that the condo owners association had a very strict no renting, no leasing policy, meaning your family had to live in the condo and couldn't be rented. So the revenge. When you're ready to pop the question, the last thing you want to do is second guess the ring. At BlueNile.com, you can design a one-of-a-kind ring with the ease and convenience of shopping online. Choose your diamond and setting. When you find the one, you'll get it delivered right to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off your purchase. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Now that we've had all the evidence, my husband and I began to knock down all the slumlords' dominoes. My husband went and filed a complaint with the police department about the corrupt code enforcement wife and her perjuring inspections on her family's properties. My husband has a glowing record in the county for having over 200 clean arrests and taking down nearly 60 corrupt public officials, including child protective services in the early 2000s. This background helped open an investigation into corrupt code enforcement wife. They discovered that not only had she perjured inspections on her family's properties, but also on my husband's self-entitled aunt's and uncle's property as well. This got the code enforcement wife fired, stripped of her state enforcement officer's license, and convicted of multiple crimes. I then sent all the property tax fraud evidence to the Florida's property tax division. That got the state to investigate Slumlord. The state found that not only did he commit property tax fraud on the condo, but also on a property that he was renting to a son and self-entitled aunt's son, along with business tax fraud and income tax fraud. Both Slumlord's son and self-entitled aunt's son were also busted for possession of illegal narcotics, with the intent to sell when the investigators came to the rental house they lived. Now, I never expected that much fraud to be found from all this, but I'm glad it happened. The business tax fraud of Slumlord affected self-entitled aunt and self-entitled uncle as well, since they were his business partners. The uncle then came under investigation by USPS board, as he was the postmaster of Winter Garden. Self-entitled uncle lost his comfy job and pension, after it was discovered that he was assisting Slumlord in the tax fraud scam and for stealing money orders. All four were convicted of multiple white-collar crimes. They had to sell their properties and most of their stuff, and they served some form of time. And they also had to pay huge amounts of fines and restitution. In the end, Slumlord, his wife, hubby's self-entitled aunt, and hubby's self-entitled uncle, along with their sons, all went down for multiple crimes, both felonies and misdemeanors, all because they thought they could strong-army victims. This just proves how smart we tenants can really be when pushed. It also proves why everyone should know all the rental laws and how to research public records because it can save you in the end. 
Holy moly, that fallout was insane, guys. Like, know your rights is really the most powerful phrase here. And you guys know how much I love reading about scummy landlords getting their just desserts. And this revenge was freaking delicious. Okay, so the last post in this episode is a wild one. And a lot of you guys have asked me to dive into nuclear revenges as I used to read a lot of them and I do plan on getting back into them. So yeah, with that said, this story was linked to me and it's absolutely crazy. And keep in mind that nuclear revenges are on the darker side. Alright, so this was told to me by my dad over a drink recently. My dad had gotten a little drunk and he ended up admitting it to me. He said it's been too long now and he's paid the consequences so there was nothing to come back on him. When I was little, my uncle Mark was my favorite uncle. He would always invite me around to show me his airsoft gun collection. We would also have hide and seek parties with my friends and he even took us to the beach. He would always come with sweets for us and acted like one of us just another child who wanted to have fun. When I was 7 years old, one day, I was meant to be going to see Uncle Mark. We were supposed to go to a ride to this amazing place. My dad was happy and cheerful the entire day. He was going on and on about how much he loved the fact that his brother just wanted to be in his children's life. Until he got the call. I was in my room, packing my stuff, when I heard the most blood-curdling scream from my dad. My dad was screaming and raging, and I heard him rip open our front door and slam it back shut, with enough force to make the picture next to it fall off the wall. I didn't see my dad for a long while after that, and he never told me why until we had this talk, but that shall be explained at the end. My mom had a lot of money saved up from a minor lotto win, so we were okay. And she always smiled and said, Daddy's just away for a little while because he was looking after me and my siblings. She always said that whenever I asked where he was. Now, Uncle Mark didn't come around either during this time. But we did see him in town a couple of times, and funnily enough, he always ran away the moment my mom saw me waving at him. Nine months later, Dad came home, and I excitedly ran and hugged him, and he hugged me right on back with a good squeeze. We had a party to celebrate him coming home, and we had party food and cake and all the usual stuff. I was just happy my dad was home. A week or so later, dad sat me down with the other kids and explained that Uncle Mark wouldn't be coming around anymore. When I asked him why, he just said that Uncle Mark was a bad person, that if he ever tried to talk to us, we were to ignore him and come find one of them. We all agreed because my dad always knew best after all. One day, a year or so later, I'm coming out of school to wait for my parents to pick me up. And that's when I see Uncle Mark standing there with a big grin. I get nervous when he comes up to me, and he says that he's here to take me for a ride. I tell him that I'm not supposed to talk to him, that he's a bad person like my dad said. Hearing me say that, Uncle Mark got this scary look on his face for a second. He then told me that it was all good, and my parents had changed their mind and made me take his hand. And that's when I saw my dad just appear out of nowhere. My dad runs up to Uncle Mark and proceeds to hit him right in the face. And that's when Uncle Mark went sprawling. I didn't see much after that, except Uncle Mark running away with my dad chasing him. My dad came back after a little while, sighed, and took me in a hug. He told my mom to take me home and he'd see me later. Now, I don't know why, but I knew right then and there that it would be a long time before I ever saw my dad again. And I was right. It was five years. Five years my dad was gone. My mom eventually admitted to us that my dad was in prison for protecting us, and we all guessed he'd done something to Uncle Mark, and he had. Well, it turns out that Uncle Mark, he liked kids, and he liked them a lot. The day I was meant to go to his house, my aunt had called my dad and told him that she'd found some pictures under her and Mark's bed of children, and she was scared of what to do because Mark was a big man. It was later revealed that he abused her, so she was scared to call police on him. 
and my dad had gone into a rage and that's when he stormed over to his house. My dad smashed in the door to find Uncle Mark screaming at my aunt as she waved the pictures around in hysterics. At that very point, my dad basically beat Uncle Mark, and Uncle Mark was screaming that he'd make him pay as the police had arrested my dad. Now, the messed up thing was, by the time my dad had explained why he had done it, Mark had managed to get the pictures, burn them, and scared his wife into saying nothing, so there was no evidence. My dad was sent down for assault, but made sure my other uncles and older cousins were around to protect us, just in case Mark came back. The day he showed up at school, according to my dad, he had come to kidnap me from the school. And who would stop him? People didn't believe my dad when he explained that Mark was the man he was, and they thought my dad was just excusing himself for attacking him. After all, the police hadn't found anything, and his wife said my dad was a liar, and my dad was the big, angry guy with a few assaults under his belt already. He had gotten away from my dad at the school, because my dad tripped and it gave him a chance to run, but my dad knew where he would go. He knew Uncle Mark would run home to hide and more than likely destroy any evidence he had gotten since destroying the last lot. He also knew that the police would be on his tail for the attack on the school, so he didn't have long. The difference was though that my dad had a car while Uncle Mark was on foot. So my dad drove over and demanded to know if my aunt was going to lie again, after what Uncle Mark had just tried to pull. Now, I don't like my aunt much after what she pulled the first time, but I think in that moment, she really realized what a monster my uncle was. He was willing to do this to her nephew just for a pathetic revenge for being called out as a predator. She said she wouldn't stop my dad or save Mark this time. My dad ordered her to get all the evidence she could as he waited for Mark to appear. She came back down with the pictures, lots of pictures. He then told her to go, wait one hour, and then to call the police because my dad was ending this. As Uncle Mark appeared, my dad, who had been waiting behind the wall of his garden, slams him right through the door of his house. I'll let you imagine what dad did to him. Dad told me at the end, you couldn't see the floor because it was just covered in blood. My dad was arrested for murder, and he did so without resistance, only telling police that he wished that they'd done his job for him. When it was revealed that Uncle Mark was indeed a predator who had attempted to kidnap me, my dad was instead charged for manslaughter, his lawyer stating that my father had gone into a protective rage and had only intended to render him harmless. My dad said he did not regret it, but he wished he had done something else, so he didn't miss out on so much of my life. I told him I was forever going to be proud of him for that, and that I loved him. I was a bit shocked when dad told me that story, and I asked him why he didn't tell me what Uncle Mark was for so long. My dad then asked if it would have made it any better to be told as a child what he really was, or now as a man who can handle the truth. And he was right. Me as a child would not have been able to mentally handle it, as I'm barely able to handle it now. All I can say is, wow, guys, I'm glad dad was around to protect OP in that situation. Like, dad sacrificed years of his life so his son would be able to live a normal life unaffected by that monster of a man. And hey, I've said this before, I don't condone violence at all on this channel, and I'm not commending what the dad did, but to all the mama bears and papa bears out there who would not hesitate to destroy someone who's trying to hurt your kids, just know there's people on your side. Like, the comment section of this post is full of people calling dad a hero, guys. So let me know if you agree or disagree. And that, my friends, brings us to another end of our slash pro revenge. Guys, I hope you enjoyed today's stories. If you did, hit that thumbs up and subscribe if you're not subscribed so you don't miss these crazy stories. And if you missed the last episode on the channel, I will link it right here. A super duper entitled Karen keeps trying to break into OP's garage to steal his electricity. And she has the nerve to call 911 when he refuses. Guys, go check it out if you haven't. And myself and Stevie Boy will see you guys in the next one. We love you.
Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style.